You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brentus Wealth. And Brentus Wealth was voted South Africa's top boutique wealth manager in both 2017 and 2020. My next guest recently wrote her CFA CIPM exam on the topic of investment manager selection from the Pretoria office of Brentus Wealth. It's Maurice Smith. You're still doing exams, Maurice. It must be quite difficult with family and work and everything else to fit this particular thing in. Yes. Uh, hi, Lindsay. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully it's the last exam that I'm writing, but it's good to keep on um, increasing your knowledge. And especially in today's age where everything changes so drastically, it's important to stay up to date with recent developments and making sure that the advice that you're giving is still relevant. Hopefully it will turn out positive. I'm absolutely certain that it will. And the investment manager selection is a very important part because every time I meet someone from... Brentus, they say, well, I went to see 91 today or I went to see another company uh, yesterday and, and that sort of thing. So you must have to take into account certain of the characteristics and assess certain of the characteristics of investment managers. I mean, it might be the fact that you like the investment manager. It may be the fact that they have a very good track record. They have a good reputation. But where do you start, please, Maurice? Yeah, there are a lot of considerations to take when selecting or evaluating investment managers. So the manager selection process, it usually begins um, by defining the universe of the feasible managers. So those managers that potentially satisfy the identified portfolio need of the client. So the objective usually is to reduce the manager universe because there's thousands of funds and managers um, globally. So you need to reduce the amount of managers you're looking at to a manageable size relative to the resources and time that you have available to evaluate them. So this process also involves um, balancing the risks of a too narrow a search, which potentially excludes interesting managers, and also too broad a search, which leads to little gain in reducing the list of potential managers. Um, like many interesting problems, this step is a combination of art and science in a way because the initial screening process, the search parameters can be narrowed and widened to determine which managers enter and exit and to evaluate whether these additions or deletion, deletions improve the universe. So the client's needs and a reason for the manager search largely determine the universe of the managers considered and the benchmark against which they are compared. So typically... A search starts with a benchmark that represents the manager's role within the portfolio. Yes. And this benchmark also provides a reference point for um, with portfolio attribution and appraisal going forward. So this screening should also avoid actually using performance at this point. And the focus should rather be on understanding the manager's risk profile and um, identifying candidates to fill that desired role within the portfolio. And lastly, um, this universe of potential managers, it's also, it's not static. It will evolve through time and not only as manager strategies evolve, but also because of the entry and exit of these managers, which you would like to include into your clients' portfolios. 
Well, exactly. The other thing is, of course, if I looked at a firm, if I was trying to do a due diligence on a particular company, I would look at how many people have uh, uh, entered and left the company over a 10-year period, for example. And if there was a high turnover, I would say to myself, well, that's immediately a red flag. Are there red flags as well as positives when you assess these fund managers? Yes, exactly. That is actually one of the elements that you will look out for when selecting a manager. So the investigation and analysis in support of an investment action decision or the recommendation that you take is called the due diligence process. So the goal of the manager manager due diligence is to weigh the potential risks that may arise from entering an investment management relationship and entrusting assets to a specific firm. So investment due diligence, um, it examines and evaluates the considerations that illustrate that that manager's investment process is actually repeatable over time and consistently implemented. So the objective is to understand whether the investment philosophy, the process, the people, as you mentioned, and the portfolio construction satisfy the assumption that past performance provides some guidance for expected future performance. And in addition, it is important to remember that investment managers, they are also businesses. So regardless of the strength of the investment process or historical performance, investment management firms must be operated as successful businesses to ensure their sustainability. So except of only um, investment manager due due diligence, you also have to do operational due diligence that examines and evaluates the firm's policies, procedures, their personnel, their integrity, um, as well as evaluating their structures and to identify any potential risks that may not be captured in historical performance and to assess the firm's sustainability through time. So it seems to me that uh, longevity is is one of the things you would look at. In other words, this company has been in existence for 30, 40, 50, 100 years. And so therefore, the fact that they're still going means they must be doing something right. On the other hand, companies that have been in existence for, say, 100 years can get a little bit too big and a little bit stale. So you have to keep your eye out on new entrants to the market without willing to be chasing too many extravagant returns. I can understand now why you've done the CFA CIPM exam, because there are so many different factors here, Maurice. Uh, yeah, to look at the universe and all the ma- managers that are available, um, the different firms, it is something that you need to keep on monitoring through time. So, for example, when you look at monitoring um, your managers, something that you want to look out for is, for example, return dilution. That is um, when you've got a strong track record, that usually results that that manager has a big growth in assets under management, which results in weaker returns because additional assets cannot be productively invested by that manager. So it is often argued that managers of funds with substantial asset bases are unable to generate excess returns because the growth of the size of the fund eventually results in a shift towards larger and more liquid securities and an increased number of holdings. Yes. So this can result in the fund being over diversified and giving you index like returns so that there's not a big um, 
benefits of going with this active manager because their large positions reduce portfolio liquidity because investment decisions may then negatively impact the market prices because they're so big. Um, so the decision to hire or fire a manager at the end of the day, it is a multidimensional process um, that you will have to look at through an on ongoing basis. So what you're saying is that uh, when a firm becomes too big, they're not as nimble, they're not as agile as they used to be when they had yes. less funds under management. And you might say to them, well, unfortunately, I'm going to take 20% of my money away from you to go someone a little bit smaller because they can invest in companies that you might not be able to invest in to make a difference, if you see what I mean. Yes, exactly. So usually we refer to those type of managers that are that have a smaller asset base as boutique um, managers, and that is something that we specifically focus within Brentis to include those more boutique, smaller sized firms because of their ability to be more nimble. Okay, tell me about this now: personality versus the firm. Let's say that you've been following this fund manager, and this fund manager has been with the firm for 20 years and suddenly decides to, to leave and go elsewhere. Do you say, well, I was with the firm, not with the personality. But on the other hand, you thought that this particular fund manager was operating almost independently anyway at the firm that uh, he or she was representing. And it doesn't matter that uh, he or she has gone, gone somewhere else. How do you reconcile yourself to that fact? Because obviously, an investment style is very much driven by the personality of the fund manager, not so much the firm. The firm provides the infrastructure, the personality, the talent provides the returns. Yes, so uh, that is why it's an important consideration when doing the due diligence to see um, where that fund manager, where that with a fund manager was of a specific fund that you're considering to see, okay, but was it actually the fund manager that's there at this stage who um, produced these historical returns? Or has that specific fund manager moved over to another firm or started his own fund? Yes. Um, so then you can take that into consideration before making a decision. And yes, it's definitely something important to, to look into to see who, who was the fund manager of a specific fund through time before you can look at historical returns. Maurice, how much is the cost factor an important factor to you when you evaluate a manager? In, in other words, um, a particular manager might charge, say, uh, 20 basis points more than another manager. So you say to yourself, well, I like this uh, firm and I like the manager, him, him or herself. Uh, but on the other hand, 20 basis points could make the difference between overperformance or underperformance. Does that factor in when you evaluate? Yes, fees are a consideration when looking at managers. Um, but you have to take it into the full context of how the manager manages the fund, their philosophy, and also what their performance, performance was historically. Um, so if you're paying a little bit more for a manager who has historically outperformed a cheaper manager, then you are actually getting value for money um, doing, for investing with that specific manager. So it is somewhat of a subjective judgment to take. Um, considering fees and it's unfortunately something that you only can evaluate through time but the most important factor for considering an investment manager is rather having um, trust in their investment philosophy and making sure that um, they are credible and consistent in their 
investment philosophy and seeing how their investment philosophy has developed over time um, to rather just focusing on fees. Okay, final question, Maurice. And that is, how often do you change managers? I mean, you're obviously not going to do it uh, month by month, maybe not even year by year, but occasionally you must say to yourself, okay, we've had a good run. Uh, you've um, sort of fallen by the wayside somewhat, and this other uh, team has come to the fore, so we're going to shift some of our funds there. How often does that happen? Yeah, so it is an ongoing process, to reviewing the investment managers that you do consider for creating portfolios, but it's not something that we would like to do too frequently um, because the, the expected benefits that you can get when replacing an existing manager with a new manager, it's uncertain um, because the, that benefit must be greater than the expected costs of terminating the one manager and transitioning to the new manager. Yes. And often... Um, the expected total cost of replacing a manager can be greater than the expected total benefit. So it gives a negative um, benefit and this may contribute to a relatively small expected improvement in performance. Or it may be because the cost of changing managers are certain um, and realized, whereas the benefits that you, that you expect to get into the future are less certain because they're not guaranteed. Um, in such cases, it may be actually then preferable to retain the manager that you have for that certainty if you can't get a um, complete view of what the actual benefit you will receive from changing the manager. So most of the benefits and the cost involved in replacing a manager, um, they are difficult to quantify, not only in the level, um, but also in their likelihood of realization. Um, and this uncertainty means that some substantial judgment on the part of the advisor or the decision maker is required. And subjective ju judgments, um, they are subject to behavioral biases. Um, and this can heighten the importance of aligning actually your own personal interest with your obligation to act in the client's best interest. Um, to take everything into consideration before making a move from one investment manager to another. Maurice, thanks so much for your explanation. Uh, it's quite a science. I didn't realise um, there was just such a scientific and personal approach to assigning an asset manager, something else that I didn't know about what you do at Brenthurst Wealth. That's Maurice Smith from Brenthurst Wealth in Pretoria, and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.